0: To serve you, God, and to see your word proclaimed through this city. God, let us be a light into this dark world. God, give us the strength to serve you every single day. Lord Jesus, be with Pastor Jason as he brings forth your word. For Senior Son's name, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Did you
1: enjoy this uh, holiday weekend? Only one person said yes. Okay. So none of you have had cookouts or with friends and family. As Pastor Frank said, we are just so grateful that God has given us a... a, uh, country to live in, free, the freedom that we have and the blood that was shed, uh, to have the freedoms in which we celebrate each and every day. And so uh, never forget that. Never forget. I'm, I, I can never forget. I grew up in a military family, and so I knew every patriotic song there was. We sang all verses, and that's just how I was raised, and we always taught to respect and to honor what God has given us through this country, and we are blessed. We are blessed because we're able to sit and Worship uh, freely Um, in some some countries we can't do that. So for great fathers that God allowed to give us this country. So we are in Joshua five and six this morning. Pastor Mike got you across the Jordan River, and we have we have a a big pile of memorial stones. And Gilgal and Jordan River. And so just to kind of bring us up to speed here, two million Jews have crossed the Jordan River under the direction of Joshua. Remember, it was a raging river. It was uncrossable. Picture of flood stage Jordan River. What they were told to do, they followed the instructions of God. They were to watch for the ark. They were to follow the ark. They were to follow a half mile behind in their social distancing. They were to consecrate themselves. And remember what happened. As soon as the priest's feet set into the brink, into the edge, the water's edge, what happened? God pushed the waters back 22 miles in a heap. Again, that Hebrew word heap is also used in Exodus 14 to describe the waters as they crossed across the Red Sea. That word heap gives this idea that it can only be done supernaturally. And as we shared, there were some individuals, skeptics that tried to put some kind of human twist on it, like it happened because of this. Well, we know why it happened, amen. Because God did it. God did it. And last week, as you learned through Pastor Mike, God told Joshua, he told the 12 men, Joshua told the 12 men to take 12 stones and to place them at Gilgal. That was their place of worship now. He also told Joshua to take 12 stones and place them, again, on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan River. And what was that for? So when God, again, as, as they crossed over what happened to the water, it subsided and it came down those rocks in the middle of the Jordan River would be a reminder of what God had done. So we have to speed to where we're at with the nation of Israel. So now we're in Joshua chapter 5. So if you would turn with me there to Joshua chapter 5 verse 1 and we'll start there. Where Our our message this morning is overcoming obstacles and we can see here so far of the obstacles that the, the Israelites had to overcome. But guess what? They didn't overcome them, did they? Who overcame them for them? God. God. Let's look at verse 1. As soon as all the the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted. Again, that word melted means they completely lost heart. And there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. See, word of Israel's crossing of the Jordan spread like wildfire among the Canaanite nations. It was causing fear and their hearts to melt within them. So we might say that Israel's battle, and God has been trying to tell Joshua, has been already won. Because not one spear, not one arrow was shot. And God already defeated them in their heart. They knew they were goners. The Lord of Israel prepared the way of conquest and assured success by causing the hearts of the Canaanites to wrench in fear. Again, God reminds us that the enemy has been taken care of here. Their hearts, they are just... Have you ever... You ever play a pickup game, or you're in a a situation, and you look at the opposite team, and you're like, man, yeah, we're so done, it's not even funny. It's like like you go out there, okay, yeah, let's just play, you're bigger than us, you're stronger than us, that is where the Canaanites are right now. And it's not because of the Israelites, it's because of their God. So we see, what did Joshua do? Look at verses 2 through 8, he set up another consecration, a circumcision, circumcision was instituted with Abraham, was instituted... As the Israelites came out of Egypt, 40 years of wandering, they strayed away from that, and now it's instituted here again. This was the cutting away of the flesh of a male reproductive organ, but had not been practiced for 40 years in the wilderness as they wandered. And this would be due to part because their hearts were not right. They were not where they needed to be, spiritually. so God did not have them continue to do that. See, circumcision was given by God to Israel to both initiate and to signify this membership of this covenant community. It was an outward sign. It was a physical sign of something inward and spiritually, spiritual in reality. See, the circumcision of the flesh was designed to express the circumcision of the heart. In other words, see, it was intended to depict that men had experienced this circumcision of the heart through the surgery of repentance. See, the old generation had gone, the complainers, those individuals that were always complaining against Moses, against God, they were gone. Now this new generation, camped in Canaan, was poised to take on the conquest that God had for them. And this new group of Israelites, just as they did before the Jordan, consecrated themselves. Here now sets up circumcision this idea of circumcision physically but also spiritually god had proven his faithfulness to them god has shown his grace to his people and they had to follow suit with the consecration this circumcision this is where it was instituted for them now as they were to go face the fortress that they were going to come up against in the next few days but i want us to look at verse 12 a minute And so many times as we read through history books, we miss out on some really cool things. Look at what is said here. And manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Cana that year. Does that, when you read that, you may say, yeah, what's what's the big deal here? No, they were eating manna. Up until they put the first first Cana in their mouth, say about our God. He cares for them. He cares for us. He provided for them despite what they or what we deserve, just as He promised. Brothers and sisters, God provides for us, doesn't He? He is always there at His word. Let's not forget that. Aren't you glad for that? Here, they walked in the... They were not starving. They, there was good food. There was first fruits in the promised land. And God still provided manna for them up until they took the first bite. Man, isn't our God great? Doesn't he protect? Isn't he faithful? So now the nation is ready spiritually. They're, they're, they're consecrated to face this Jericho knowing that God was on their side. So let's continue in our story. So verses 13 through 15, they're preparing for battle. As this passage opens, we find person himself surveying the land. Let's let's look there at verse 13. When Joshua was, in Jericho, well, was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Now, there, many theologians and historians believe that Joshua, any good military leader, went out to survey what, was, what, was, what, what he was up against. So you imagine going to Jericho. All right. Whew. All right. There's the fortress. There it is. <laughs> this is going to be a mighty feat. But what happened? As he did like any good general would do, any good military strategist would do, let's try to plan out, okay, what is the steps here? How are we going to take Jericho? What happened? And behold, a man was standing before him and his drawn sword in hand. So J- Joshua went out to Jericho. Here's this guy with his sword drawn. So Joshua said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. But I am the commander of the Lord, army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals for your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. See, Joshua was planning. He was going out to look Jericho and suddenly interrupted A man with a drawn sword was standing before him. Would that scare you? Yeah. Are you ready to fight? Whose side are you on? Joshua asked the man, Declare you friend or foe? The man's response must have surprised and astonished Joshua, because he said, What? No, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord, and I have come. See, Joshua was the commander, the human commander of the army. But he was in the presence of the true commander, the Lord God himself. This is what we have here. What that means is it's a temporary appearance of God in human flesh. It was a pre incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, his incarnation comes centuries later. Why do we know that? Because Joshua fell in worship. Angel would never let a human worship him. He accepted that worship from Joshua. it was God a few things about this meeting again Joshua was performing his duty he was going out to what was to come the commander of the Lord army appeared to him and said Joshua says suicide he says I'm not on your side I'm not on the adversary's side interesting answer isn't it God is not on Joshua's side he's not on Canaan's side so what is he saying here? Joshua, I want you to be on my side. This is interesting. Joshua be on my side. I'm not on your side. I'm on the case. I want you to be on my side. And Joshua, what fell down and worshipped here, Joshua, the leader, the general, is now consecrating himself. God, here, here I am. Lord, what would you have me do? How about in our lives? Do we try to get God on our side? Think about it. Do we try to get God on our side? We're, we're doing things right. We're, and we're in, in the Word, and, and we have an agenda. That, God, I really want this to happen. Look, I want this to turn out this way, God. But God, yeah, here, side with me. Everything's good. I've checked it out, God. How many times do we try to get God on our agenda instead of trying to get on God's agenda? and God's will for our life. I love what 1 John 5.14 says. He says this, and this is the confidence that we have towards Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Isn't that a great promise? We ask anything according to His will. And I, I said a few weeks ago, when we started Joshua, there's this, there's this movement out there, this decreeing and declaring things of God, which is unbiblical, We don't demand things from God. What's it say? You ask according to his will. He will answer. He will hear you. He will hear you. So Christians, when we pray, when we ask God, we we need to be on God's side, on God's agenda. Everything that we're doing might be great and grand and we are following suit and following the word of God, but are we trying to do things on our own and want God to join us? Or do we need to jump in and side with God? I think there's, there's two types of Christians as we come into this particular story and as we apply it to our lives today. What type of Christian are you going to be? Are you going to be a wilderness Christian? Are you going to be a promised land Christian? Now here's what a wilderness Christian looks like. Here, let me say this. First, we are in the same battles. We have the same struggles. But the processes, process of handling these things are two totally different ways. So a wilderness Christian would be someone like this. How bad life is. Life is such a challenge. I don't understand why God puts me through this. I need to work these things out in my life. You're focused on your problems, how you're going to fix your needs. That's a wilderness Christian. Or are you a promised land Christian? And this individual is someone, even though there's challenges, even though life can be horrible at times, you're trusting through it all. And you're verbal about it. You have this God-got-this attitude. You know what? God's got it. I know about this. This is... This diagnosis, I don't know what's going to happen, but God's got it. This idea that, you know what, God's going we're, we're going to get through this. Not me, but we, God and our family, God and me, we're going to get through this. Because I know he got it figured out. So who are you going to be, a wilderness Christian or are you going to be a promised land Christian? What's the answer? Don't say it. Because we know what the answer needs to be. It's a promised land Christian, right? Will you choose to be on God's side? Not for him to be on your side. You be on God's side. Will you be determined to walk by faith as Joshua and the nation are doing now? Once you make this decision, once you decide, I'm going to be a promised land Christian. I'm going to be that Christian that's going to look at things as God. I'm going to be on God's agenda, God's will, God's plan. Guess what's going to happen? Challenges are going to come. It's guaranteed. Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to stop us. He wants us to stay in the wilderness. See, when we are on God's side, he stands up for us in battle, and he receives the glory. He receives the He receives everything that he deserves through our lives, even though when we face those obstacles and those barriers, and he gets them through guess what gets us through that guess what it 's because of him, and he receives all the glory and honor wilderness Christian, promised land Christian, okay, so now we get to our story in chapter six, so we see Joshua consecrate himself circumcision for the individual falls, worships the the commander of the Lord's army, which is a preincarnate picture of Christ. So now the plan is given—an unusual plan. See, we growing up in the church, we know what the plan is, right? Have you ever been a part of an unusual plan? Growing up, my father's favorite sport was boxing. It was like we watch boxing on TV. Like, oh, turn the channel, Dad. Two guys beat each other up in the ring. It's like, okay see in the Marine Corps he got he liked boxing so when they were overseas they would box on aircraft carriers so be the Marines against the army and he always said the Marines always won so I, I don't know what that is so you guys are in the military can fight for the army and the Navy so fight against each other so he, he boxed for the Marines He was a Marine so there's pros and cons to having a dad that was a boxer discipline was very interesting um, but the cons were he was always watching instead of the normal sports like football baseball, basketball. He hated basketball. He didn't understand that. He'll get saved someday. But the pro he taught his sons how to fight, how to protect ourselves. So when we got in scuffles, and there was that, those times where he would put gloves on and so, say, hey, Jason Brent, go ahead. You guys are here's what you do, here's how you fight. And there was there was that five-minute window that I could legally beat my brother up without getting disciplined or getting in trouble for it. But he would teach us how to stand and how to put your hands and protect your face and protect your gut. He just taught us those things. Boxing, I hated boxing. But it did prove to be beneficial when guys in the neighborhood will come at you and you could defend yourself. Then you hit and you run home. There was an unusual fight back in 1974. Probably some of you were not even alive. I was two. 1974. It was the Rumble in the Jungle. How many of you remember the fight, the Rumble in the Jungle? Muhammad Ali and George Frazier. And yes, ladies, George Frazier was a boxer before he was the George Foreman grill guy. Okay? You remember that? George George Foreman. Isn't that the grill he got for your dad for Christmas? He was a boxer. He was an entrepreneur. But this fight was very interesting. George Fraser was supposed—no, not George Foreman was supposed to win this fight. Both at 6'3", George Foreman was a powerful hitter, one of the powerful hitters in at that time as a boxer. Of course, Ali's cliche is: "What's his cliche? Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee." He was quick and fast. Float like a fly, Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It's his quickness, his fast, being fast. This fight, the plan was unusual. Muhammad Ali's trainer said, here's what you're going to do. You are going to sit on the rope, and you're going to let George Frazier pound on you, and, you are going to, and you're going, we're going to make him get tired out. The most powerful hitter, boxer of the time, is going to wail on you. And you're going to take it. So his training was he would get on the ropes, and they would just come, and they would just pound him and beat him and beat him so he could take the punches. And so Muhammad Ali, and there's this, this, this phrase of this battle, he became a dope on the rope. He says, so I have to be a dope on the rope, rope-a-dope. He acted like a dummy on the rope and let George Foreman beat him up. Seven rounds, he let George Foreman pound and pound and pound. Round eight came. His trainer said, get him. George Foreman was exhausted. He exerted every piece of energy he had to try to knock Muhammad Ali out. Round eight came. Muhammad Ali came out. He floated like a butterfly, and he stung like a bee. He knocked George Foreman out cold, and he won. The unusual plan, if you were a boxer, you say, yeah, that's a stupid plan. That's a stupid plan, to let the most powerful boxer beat on you for seven rounds. But we see a very unusual plan here. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out or came in. So again, God wants us to understand that because of the Red Sea incident 40 years prior, and now that the Jordan River has been crossed by Israelites because of what God did, they are Shut up inside. No one is coming in and out of the city. They are what? Scared to death. And here's what the Lord said in verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and mighty men of valor. Here's what he's saying. If we put it in layman's terms. Mighty mighty men of valor are the special forces. Listen, all the Navy SEALs, all the Army Rangers, all the Green Berets, all the Recons, all those guys who who are trained to kill, guess what? They're shut up inside. They're scared. And, look, and look, look what he says. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Then shall you do it for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams before the ark. What did God remind Joshua here? He had to remind him, hey, Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. So let's just take some freedom this morning. Because Joshua is human just like we are. May there have been some doubt in Joshua. Okay, Lord, we're following you through here. We're going up against that fortress right there. And here's God reminding Joshua, Joshua, I've given them into your hands. Trust me. How many times does God do that in our lives? Trust me. Let's continue. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Our first point this morning is this side with God and his will. Side with God and his will. When you side with God and his will, you are on his agenda, you are on his plan, no matter how crazy the plan may sound. Does that make sense? No matter what the trainer told you to do to stand on the ropes and get beat like Muhammad Ali did for seven rounds, God has given us sometimes plans. We say, God, that doesn't make sense. That humanly, God, yeah, that is not right. Side with God, we side with His will. Point two is this. Side with God and see the unusual happen. When we side with God... Just sit back and say, okay God, I don't know how this is gonna work, but whew, that was very unusual. This is very interesting. When you see the when you place yourself on God's agenda and plan, like Joshua did you get to see him work in the Wow, you are truly great. Wow God, you are truly amazing. I don't know why I would ever doubt you. Hopefully when we come out on the other side of it, we say those things. Because it's all, we can only see that it's God. I had an opportunity to, to visit Tim Schuler two or three weeks back. And he shared kind of what God did through all this brain surgery and how he had every piece of plan put together unbeknownst to Tim. The doctor's in the right place and having the right test at the right time. and pencil. It's all coincidence, right? God works in unusual ways for his will and for his purpose. One thing we have to understand, Christianity is not for control freaks, right? How many of you, don't read your hand. Sometimes I'm control, yeah, you want to you control things. No, God, no, 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 I want to do it this way. God operates outside of our box, doesn't he? All of us probably in here have stories of what God has done. You're like, yeah, that was, that was interesting. So what happened? This was a major obstacle. Pure victory came, verses 20 through 27. And so they marched around. We know the story. Marched around Jericho six times on the seventh day. They marched around. They blew the trumpets. And the walls come tumbling. We know the song down, right? Look at verse 20. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell flat. Okay, the walls just—it wasn't just like this. It fell to the ground. Israel had no weaponry. They were just to march around. It's like Art Meyer walking around with this trumpet. All right, blow the trumpet, Art. We're going to—this this is going to fall down. And look what it says there in verse twenty-one: they devoted all in the city to destruction. But men and women, young and old oxen sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword they killed everyone in jericho but look at verse 22 but to the two men who had spied out the lands joshua said go into the prostitute's house bring out from there the woman and all her who belong to her as you have sworn So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. Verse 24. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold with the vessel of bronze and iron they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. Look at 25. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she, lived, was, she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at the time saying curse before the Lord to the man who rises up and builds this city Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay his foundation and the cost of his young son shall he set up his gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. Do you see the picture? Trumpets blown, Jericho falls, except for this little section. Rahab's house, as was promised, with the red scarlet cord. Flattened. I mean, you can't plan that humanly at this time. This was a God thing in and out. Just to kind of rewind a minute is... Marching around the city. Okay, if you're a Cana, you're in there. Okay, what's going to happen? Although, what, what, what's going to happen? You know, really, what? will walls come down? What, will they come in? Will they attack us? So day one, nothing happened. Day two, you know, picture yourself. imagine yourself in the city of Jericho. What's going on here? You know, what, what's happening? Unusual. But they followed God, and God did his thing. Point three this morning is side with God and see prayers answered. Side with God and see prayers answered. See, in the face of great obstacle, Joshua complied with his plan. Though he may not have understood it significantly, as they, we know his, as he was a soldier his time with Moses, as we read in the Old Testament, Marching around a city with no weaponry and blowing trumpets is not the greatest form of battle. He followed it, and the people followed it, and they were moved to action. Listen, church, whatever your obstacle is, God is willing to cross it with you. He is always communicating with us, his people. We have his word. He provides strength. He provides comfort. He provides hope for us. Right now, you may be up against a Jordan River. You may be up against a Jericho wall. But he knows how to deal with it. You cannot do this. We cannot do this on our own strength, can we? We can't. See, let come to God that needs to be your first plan of action, not your last resort. That needs to be your first plan of action. When you see the obstacle, when you see the barrier, wherever, whatever it is in our lives, we have to get on God's agenda. We have to get on God's side. Okay, God, how are you going to get me through this? You see, Israel's obedience God, their obedience to God produced wonders. Can you imagine being now the Israelites and seeing that wall fall down? Oh, I, wonder, I wonder what was better, seeing 20, 22 miles of the river, Jordan River being up in a wall, or seeing the biggest fortress in Canaan collapse to the ground. Standing like, that was awesome, right? You wonder what they were thinking. Seeing two, th- two great things happen. So, yep, I'm on God's side. Yeah, I'm going to follow God. You see, the nation of Israel, if you imagine walking around, oh, this is interesting, this is an unusual plan. But they move forward with the hand of God directing them church, listen, don't be scared. Don't be nervous when God leads you to do something unusual. Of course, according to His plan in His will, nothing against the Word of God. Please don't get me wrong. Always side with God. You will never be disappointed. Is it scary? Yes. But God will always be there to guide and direct you through. And as we said, I don't want us to miss God saved Rahab and her family just as was promised Rahab and what the scripture continue to remind us who she was the prostitute but she is now walking with the nation of Israel she is now a follower of God she has been changed and her family overcoming obstacles see many today we pride ourselves in following reason this makes sense Oh, okay, God, yeah, this is, this, this is where I need to go. Yep, I can see that that, that. that makes better sense to me, God. So I'm going to go this direction instead of giving it to God. But God has called us, just like he called Joshua, the nation of Israel, to step out and walk in faith. Joshua lived by faith. Rahab lived by faith. The nation lived by faith. They walked in obedience to following God's unusual ways. His unusual direction, but they chose to follow his leadership. They sided with God and his will. They sided with God to see the unusual happen. They sided with God to see prayers answered. So the, the question I leave for us this morning is, will we side with God? Whatever you're going through in your life, will you choose to side with God? his agenda, his plan, his will for your life. Again, when we do that, we are a promised land Christian because we can't get through without God's strength. We can't get through without God's comfort. We can't get through without God's but if you're a wilderness Christian, you will stay there, and you will try to get through barriers. You will try to get through obstacles. You will try to do these things on your own, and guess what? It's going to happen. You will continually spin your wheel, trying to do things within your own reason, in your own power, in your own strength. And God's saying, "Side with me. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. Side with me. Side with me. Side with me." Side with my will. And I will come through for you. I will fight your battles. I will get you through. So church, that's, that's, that's our, our, our question to you this morning, to us this morning, both myself. Will we side with God? Will we get on God's side, on God's agenda, and see God do great and amazing things? Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, this, this story, I love the book of Joshua. Just seeing how you just came through when Joshua and the nation trusted you and they followed in obedience, you came through and you guided them and you defeated the, the enemies of the world. And you did it in your way, in your timing. Lord, in our lives, Father, allow us to put our faith, our trust, Lord, allow us to side with you in our life. If you're here this morning and you're maybe visiting, maybe you're listening on Facebook Live, and you want to know this Jesus, you want to know this God that we're talking, we would love to share with you how you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this God, you can be on this God's side. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ... Christ to come into our life to save us forgive us of our sins guess what we are on God's team and God will protect us God will guide us God will get us through our, this life all because of our faith in him we would love to sit down and show you that this morning so Father we are grateful for the cross and as we close with the song our God is greater our God is stronger what a great song to close with after hearing this beautiful story of how you conquered Jericho for the nation of Israel, help us as a church. Each of us have barriers and struggles that we're going through this week. Lord, allow us to side with you. Get us through these with your strength and your power and your will and your timing. And we ask this in your Son's holy and precious
0: name. Amen. Let's all stand up together. Sing, water, you turn to wine soon yes.